Welcome to Teacher in Sign Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I have with me Bob Colt. Um, Bob, I met you just recently, um, or I guess met is a relative term when it comes to internet, but ran across to, ran across a couple, two or three posts um, on the Doctrine of Christ discussion forum on Facebook, and I was immediately drawn to it, um, recognized, of course, <clears throat> a certain boldness and but humility and also i recognize uh that same spirit that i see in everyone where the lord is you know uh taking hold of somebody and has them on a journey um that journey is it can be scary um so anyway welcome to the podcast i'm glad that you said yes thank you for coming on um thanks for having me you also have a youtube channel I found out, so I've been looking at some of those videos. I wanted to share my screen here and uh, show everybody what that looks like. It's called Follow Christ. Um, you should see that on your screen here, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, and it's at Follow Christ. Um, is that a capital I there or? Uh, at Follow Christ on Rumble. Is that what on we're looking Rumble. at? Yeah, at yep. Follow Christ on Rumble. Okay, yep. um, is the YouTube channel, and uh, got a number of videos here. I've watched a few of these this morning. I was watching uh, a real early one here, um, Baptism of Fire, and I would recommend that one. I really like the spirit behind that one as well. Um, you just kind of telling your your faith journey of actually coming to Christ and Christ revealing Himself to you. Um, mm-hmm. We were watching a couple of these. My wife had made a comment. She said, uh, oh, these videos are scary. (laughs) (laughs) I've had that reaction before. A lot of people were like, I used to have different um, thumbnails that were a lot scarier. And then one of the the wonderful sisters in in one of our groups on Facebook said, "Um, I have a recommendation. Um, Can you not put the... The satanic imagery on the thumbnail because you know, I, I thought it, the clickbait kind of uh, you know thing was I'll just more people will watch if it's scarier uh, thumbnail but you know it wasn't the uh, yeah <laughs> so I took her advice and I was like okay well you know she didn't want to put that on her uh, any post because it was too you know might might be a little looking. triggering yeah <laughs> for some people. Exactly. Um, and I kind of what from just looking at some of what you put out here so far, I haven't got through it all. Um, but why I left the Mormon church and then a couple of other videos that are tied to that seem to be tied to section 132 in LDS mm-hmm. doctrine covenants, which is the revelation on polygamy, uh, spiritual wifery ceilings, all that, um, mm-hmm. which is, uh, tied to. Well, it tied to celestial glory, they say, but I don't know. When I was reading 132, it seemed like it was tied to salvation itself, really. <laughs> so, Yeah, uh, that was I'm my surprised. first initial awakening moment was I was thinking, how is being married uh, connected to salvation? There's no second witness to this doctrine. And that was all pointed out to me at first mm-hmm. by the Lord, and he was basically 
um, I had read all this so many times before, but I hadn't really noticed that it was a problem. <laughs> and the Lord was kind of saying, look at how he's treating women. And before I was kind of like, well, polygamy is just polygamy and we're all going to have to practice it and no problem. And then all of a sudden one day I'm looking at it and I can't even fathom the Lord treating women this way. So it yeah. was, uh, that was the initial wake-up call from the Lord to me. And um, it was interesting. It's a similar thing with a lot of women have had that experience. And, and I, mm -hmm. I imagine the impact to a woman is, is greater, I guess, uh, I would imagine, psychologically, this doctrine. Um, so yeah. I definitely understand how that was a trigger for many. Um, interesting that that also was for you, something that, you know, you were impactful thinking about what the impact is on, on a woman or, you know, what that would mean. Um, so mm -hmm. that's... Yeah, I wouldn't think that would be my first awakening um, thing the Lord would use for me, but that was it. Yeah, I was yeah. Uh, shocked at, uh, you know, he, was, he would mention how he's going to um, destroy um, a woman. It's 64, though. That's the first one. It's 132, verse 64. And uh, he, obviously, he's talking about how he doesn't, um, he's mad at Emma and, uh, you know, there's many, it's 54 that he talks about that, with mm -hmm. uh, the issue with Emma, her being a handmaiden, um, a servant. Well, I can't remember. There's a lot of derogatory stuff about yeah. um, well, women I, I, and that. And I think that was, uh, I think that was indicative of Brigham Young's view of Emma Smith. Uh, I think she uh, was angry yeah. at her because she would not go along with him and, and back and support him, you know, as far as being leadership of the church and taking it in the direction it went. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things that really hit me with 132 because I had never, I don't think I'd ever read the Revelation my entire life. I didn't feel like I need to. Coming from a RLDS background, we had already rejected that. Well, there's been books and books and books written uh, exonerating Joseph Smith, but um, that was from that background, you know. And recently, with everything that's been going on in people's testimonies, um, I just realized I never, I don't think I'd ever really read that revelation as as it says it is anyway um and i suddenly the spirit was like you should read it and i thought well, that's surprising i'm like why do you want me to read it and it's you know i just kind of got this thought that popped in my head well if you're going to criticize criticize something or say something that isn't of the lord you probably should read it and i'm like well duh you know so i kind of felt ashamed of myself that i was just going along with really the tradition of the rlds it wasn't that i'd really wouldn't search this out it was just not something that i needed to do until now and so i said okay it's fair enough i should go read that and wow i i immediately knew why he asked me to go there because it would the first thing that happened was i'm very familiar with joseph smith's writings very mm -hmm. familiar with the flow of the revelations that came through him um have read them my whole life i'm 54 years old and a lot of reading Joseph Smith. I had never read this revelation. In fact, I'm not sure I read any of the revelations, um, anything else that was claimed that came from him anyway, that uh, wasn't that they're all this hadn't accepted. So uh, that was my background though, is that's a lot of years of Joseph Smith. And uh, when I went to go read this, I was just like, wow, um, this sounds nothing like any of his revelations. Um, I mean, and every, and I'm an English major. 
just the just the grammar the words that were used the word choices the phraseologies just everything was just very foreign um but so that was interesting i was glad i did it just for that sake alone just to th see this is truly a different author for sure but yeah well it was revealed to me like certain things like that was the first thing and then it was i noticed abraham uh wasn't commanded to take hagar to wife that was one of them and, yeah. and then i realized that more contradictions um you know no exaltations not mentioned anywhere else in the yep. scriptures and then it yep. and then it was uh the contradiction between jacob 2 23 and 24 uh these are both jesus saying the exact opposite things that yeah um you know uh there's no justification for it. Verse one, very first verse uh, goes against that um, for polygamy, obviously, and uh, just and then of course I just take notes and notes and then ask questions and the Lord would clarify and um, it was just blowing my mind. And then I was like, oh no, I had to go to the church website and I thought because at first I didn't know it was Brigham Young, I thought it was still Joseph yeah. Smith, right? And so yeah. that was horrifying and then i looked at the mm -hmm. church website and the church website is saying not only uh do they believe these things but that they believe in um polyandry um joseph smith was doing that and i was like what you know and i had never really yeah. looked into these issues before and so then i got all the anti stuff and that was confusing so this was i was oh, thrown yeah. into the wilderness experience of just confusion and and i was lost and my testimony was fast disappearing, you know, yeah. of, mm -hmm. of the church because I was like, well, how could Joseph have done all these things? And I was so scared that I went to church and I went to testimony meeting. It happened to be testimony meeting that week. And I got up and I bore my testimony of Joseph Smith. And uh, just thinking about it, you know, the feelings of truth of holiness it's yeah. just I, I knew that he was still a prophet and i knew somehow that he was a prophet and i was just like okay well what does that mean you know how is he a prophet and still doing these things and and of course that kept me going on searching for the truth um and i kind of had that that feeling that the lord would um would just he would lead me he would he would help me find the truth if i just kept going on this faith journey mm. which i mean makes me emotional just thinking about it he's just such a personal god you know he yeah he just loves us i thank god that he brought you through this um there have been some that have been lost in that wilderness uh they start reading the anti-mormon sites um mm -hmm. and there are some truths there but man they they just uh they basically just take the lds church history and notes and things that have been rewritten and they just use it against joseph smith and, and against the entire movement i i've said this before i think the the church was the worst enemy of the church because they because Brigham and whoever basically decided they wanted to indulge themselves in these things they drag joseph smith in it and so mm -hmm. ultimately the testimony or the rewritten history of the church is sort of destroying the testimony of joseph smith it destroys the testimony of the book of mormon for some people uh which is very yeah. sad uh, that's and i got to witness that firsthand you know that was my journey i was 
I was, of course, you yeah. start looking online and you see all the, the anti stuff. My, yeah. One of my friends, uh, my acquaintances, or more of a friend, I guess, she was like, here's the CES letter, right? And it's just like, oh, that's just what I needed. Mm. <laughs> Not really, right? Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's nasty. Yeah, right? it's heard of it. So, um, And that's probably why you started your YouTube channel and on, let's see, you also have it on uh, Rumble, it looks like, Follow Christ on Rumble. I've never <laughs> heard of Rumble before, but anyway, got in a few different places anyway. I'm guessing this is reason why you started that, uh, because you don't want people to lose their testimony altogether, because there's a lot of mm -hmm. damaging information out there. Um, so Yeah, that was down the road when I, when I finally got to that part of my mission, when the Lord had uh, called me to that after I discovered the truth. Mm -hmm. But it was months of me kind of just... Uh, discovering more things. I had to go through the anti stuff. I was hoping the Lord would immediately just give me the answer and let me know that, uh, you know, Joseph wasn't involved in any of this. And, but it took, yeah. um, you know, two, it was just over two and a half, I think two and a half months, something like that. But, uh, yeah. finally one day, you know, I just kept trucking and I, I, I discovered hemlock knots, um, <clears throat> on YouTube. And that was their, information and then they led me to Rob Fotheringham and his videos and and uh, that was uh, the catalyst for me to, to for Heavenly Father for Jesus just to unload a lot of truth about um, Joseph Smith and I don't believe everything that they claim yeah. but um, the Lord is able to work with me through that the truths that they did reveal to me and uh, it was uh, that was it and then through that Obviously, the revelations came that I needed to stand up for Joseph Smith. Now that I knew the truth and, G and Jesus had revealed that to me, um, you know, it was uh, the, what, I can't remember DNC, what, what, uh, which one was it now, that uh, where he talks about, you know, his brethren will never betray him and that mm -hmm. he will, uh, uh, you know, so... Uh, that was it, and then I was called to that, to, just to start proclaiming the truth. That's what we've always done, you know. Yeah. Um, find the truth, get it confirmed by revelation. Start telling people about it. It's not rocket science, right? Yeah. So it kind of this whole uh, the awakening came about as a part of the questioning about polygamy. Um, let's back it up for a moment, because. No one even knows who you are necessarily. I want to know just a little bit more about you, Bob. You live in sure. Canada, right? Yeah. Alberta, Canada. Great White uh, North. What's the temperature outside right now there? Well, it's kind of chilly today, as it usually is. Uh -huh. But actually, we've, we've had a, a bit of rain of late. But I think, yeah, it feels a bit chilly because usually... I get to turn my heat off for the summer, and uh, yeah. it's feeling like I could actually turn it on right now. So, which is yeah. not a good sign in the, in June in Canada. But <laughs> well, you know, climate change—that's <laughs> it. It can go both yeah. ways, right? <laughs> so, well, so tell me, tell me, were you born and raised in the church? Um, did you were you convert? You're born and raised? Yeah. So I was born and raised in the church. <clears throat> my parents weren't very active until I was about seven years old. <clears throat> but I, I did go enough and I had a good primary experience. I did um, 
I think my first Holy Ghost experience was I was, I was uh, my favorite song as as you have loved me is it yeah as as I've loved you as I have loved you as you <laughs> but anyway so yeah that was good and then uh, uh, fond memories and then I remember having a testimony of Joseph Smith uh, watching the first really early um, Joseph Smith uh, conversion videos where he sees Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and I remember feeling the Holy Ghost so that was my I kind of think of back and think of you know when did you feel the spirit I didn't know it was the Holy Ghost back then I know it was the spirit but I just remember yeah. you know when later I can look back and anyway so yeah and that uh, my my dad's a convert and so he was always struggling throughout his life to stay involved in the church and uh, he, he didn't uh, find a lot of acceptance there later I had the same issues you know but uh, yeah it was uh, it was rough for him my parents were divorced when I was 12 and uh, so um, because of some of his issues with the church and um, my mom was he, always in the church never ever you know she's the uh, our family goes back to the pioneer stock on her side, right? My dad's, I'm the first on my dad's side to ever serve a mission kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I go. That's my background with that. Okay. Something you... interesting about him, I should say, that he was uh, put in the residential schools. He's like a quarter native. And so he was put in the residential schools. There's been some controversy okay. about that here in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so he had a kind of a rough upbringing himself. So, do you think that was did that play any role in his acceptance in the church over the years? Do you think, or is it just that he had a different um, view? Or I think it was emotional issues, uh, psychological issues with him. I don't know. We're kind of estranged now, and so just uh, differences of opinion. And uh, yeah, it's been a a rocky relationship with us so okay he's uh yeah he's got his issues <laughs> like yeah. we all do i guess but I, i've got plenty uh <laughs> so now are you married do you have a family or anything like that or no i'm divorced okay which is uh really doesn't help if you're trying to have any kind of status in in the lds churches yeah. everybody knows who's divorced is but uh yeah, that um, in order to raise my son in the church, I, have cho I had chosen a wonderful lady, had, has many wonderful things about her, but she just wasn't into the church and wasn't into, uh, you know, that lifestyle. And so yeah. that was, and when I wanted to raise my son, of course, when you do have a child and, and you, that's the, obviously the adversary is going to bring that issue mm -hmm. to the forefront right away and he's going to attack that yeah. so that you don't because that's obviously the most important thing as soon as you do have a child you're going to want to raise him or her in the church in the tradition that you know and even if it's you know and turns out being wrong it's just all you know at that mm -hmm. time and so you that's what i wanted to do and then we clashed and then that ended up in divorce and, mm -hmm. but uh yeah um and you know religion was part of the part of what was behind my parents divorce too my my father ended up becoming uh atheist um now agnostic i guess 
Um, mm. And so there were some issues going on there. And it's rough, especially when you have kids involved and everything. And, and that's what's hard because I've I've never had biological kids of my own. Um, I think it would be nerve wracking for me because I've been through so many different adventures with the Lord and even uh, joined a cult <laughs> one time. And I, and I remember thinking in this cult experience as I'm beginning to evaluate and think, is this a cult or something? You know, maybe this is not what I thought it was. I, I realized, I think I don't have kids, you know, so I totally get what you're saying about, you know, that becomes a primary concern for a parent is, you know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't want to mess them up. You want to make sure that they are raised right. Uh, so I totally get you there. Um, you yeah, are still, go ahead. I was going to say, thank goodness I had that with him because that was the, Yes, it was tough. It did kind of ruin my marriage, but it was it was meant to be because it was that focus that brought me back to the Lord at that time because I've uh I was playing in a rock band previous to that for after my mission. I did that for 9 years. We okay. got played in a classic rock band and it turned out we got heavier and heavier and then it was metal mm-hmm. and then it was industrial metal and then it was like uh really became a negative in my life. Yeah. And then um that obviously when I had my son, I had to, you know, just straighten things out and oh. return to the Lord. And okay. that just, you know, it's such an instinct. And of course, you mm-hmm. have that little spirit who needs you and he deserves to have, you know, yeah. all that we can. My mom who prayed and is a faithful woman, like her prayers and, and strength yeah. and faith. We know that that sustains us and strengthens us so much that uh, we, our children, of course, deserve the same amount of uh, spiritual strength that uh, we can provide for them, right? So, Absolutely. And so you were a prodigal son like myself, uh, returned. Yeah. Uh, Lord, <laughs> Lord arranged something to, that would help bring you back. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we, know, we both know what it is to, to receive that grace and come back. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So... Uh, I know we talked about this before we started uh, the actual episode podcast broadcast of this, but um, so let's go back. You are still a member of the church proper, LDS mm-hmm. proper in Canada there. Um, so, which some people might have found surprising because looking at your videos, they might think, well, <laughs> surely this guy got kicked out or something. <laughs> I try. I keep trying, but they won't kick me out. They won't you, come visit me. You they sent they your videos. You sent your videos to your bishop, stake president and bishop. Okay, yeah. stake president and bishop. Okay, so mm-hmm. they have your videos. How long ago was that that you sent that to them? Oh, not too long ago. I think the pre- stake president. I resent a video. Um, you know, a little temptation. Do you want to kick me out? Please send me an email. Anything, just. Yeah. But no, nothing. So just, <laughs> they don't care. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares what, you know, I'm doing or whatever. So yeah. that's, I, when I hear stories about people in Utah getting booted out, I'm just like, mm-hmm. wow, really? What would that be like? I wish somebody would come <laughs> kick me out. I want to get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, send, well. make me go to a church court so I can testify the truth, you know. But... Yep. Nope. It's not in the cards for me. All right. Well, so you're fearless a little bit that way. Um, now, are you still attend? Do you ever go to attend still, or do you? Are you just doing the house church thing? No. Or? Uh, 
the Lord's made it very clear to me if I was to go to church, I would be testifying of the truth. That is yeah. my role. And so that would not work out very well, okay. I'm sure. And they would have me removed quite possibly very quickly if I was going to testimony mm -hmm. meeting. Because like, I don't, yeah. there was, I was the one of the guys who would always have to go up and bear his testimony because there's so much dead space and it's just like, oh. why are we even here kind of thing? Let's just, somebody go up and say something. So I would just go up and I didn't take a long time, but I would just say, you know, at least mm. I know, you know, testify of Christ or something and think of some kind of story, you know, hopefully it was somewhat, uh, you know, inspiring, but edifying. Yeah, it, it was our church is just so dead here in my neck of the woods. It seems like it's, you know, there's not a lot of uh, just, mm. I don't know. I don't even know how to put it. It's, it's really well, bad. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be dead if you showed up and started testifying. Yeah, I could really <laughs> liven things up real fast. <laughs> they're gonna get a they're gonna get a bonfire going real good <laughs> real quick after that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it wouldn't be good. No, but I know how. Like that's just my take on it. People can go and and participate in in their own way and and find yeah. spiritual spirituality and fellowship. Mm -hmm. That would not work out for me. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. And you're how long ago is it since you you began to awaken with you know the searching out of one thirty two and so forth? Almost exactly a year. It started in March, and of uh, last year. Okay. And then it was yeah right around this time last year when I discovered okay hemlock knots I think and then that was wow you've been yeah, busy. So. You've been busy. Yeah, and I've been <laughs> pumping out videos ever since. And I didn't, I never even thought of having a yep. YouTube channel or I had to, all of a sudden one day, I'm just like, I got to figure out how to make videos. And I'm like, yeah. well, we have Google. Yeah. Everything's on Google. So that's what I did. And Yeah. Well, some of these, some of these videos that my wife look, looks at that she sees as being scary. I realize these are things that uh, we do need to talk I'm an, about. I'm an ex-metalhead, so you know there's going to well, be you some know. <laughs> influence from. I, I am, I am too, from way back. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you, uh, you know, we have to be aware of what is going on in the world. Uh, not that we want to dwell on it, we don't want to spend and all our focus on it. But people do need to be warned. We do need to know that there are there are these secret societies. There are. Uh, mm -hmm. plans in the works are things going on we just need to be aware of those things a lot of people are involved in these things and don't even realize what they're about um so the book of mormon yeah, plainly warns you know about <laughs> these secret societies well i discovered kendall anderson's blog and this guy he, he friended me on facebook after i've mm -hmm. done like four or five videos on his blog specifically yeah. right and so he, he's just amazing. His research is great. And the Lord always just leads me to these men who are much wiser and know so much more than me. And he's like, here you go. Just spread their message, you know. And I'm like, okay, that's yeah, easy enough to do. And they're the easier videos that I've ever made yeah. because I'm just reading what, you know, other people have mm -hmm. done and commenting on them, right, which is par yeah. for the course for YouTube videos. But... Uh, yeah, it's been great. He's an amazing guy. He's um, I really highly recommend. My last, I think, four or five videos I've done have been about subjects of Mystery Babylon and re revealing yeah. the mystery schools and, and all the many 
uh, wonderful truths, and he connects them all to the Book of Mormon and to the truths in the Book of Mormon, and uh, it's uh, yeah. very eye-opening and uh, just great stuff. Uh, when I was in my 20s and reading through the scriptures the first time after I'd had my born-again experience with him, um, yeah, I remember I was just uh, intrigued by these Gantian robbers, these robbers who they killed every single last one of them off, they took all of their secrets, they buried them somewhere where they could never be found, and then like generations go by and suddenly they pop up. And they've got the same secrets again and everything. <laughs> and I was like, How did how did they do that, you know? And I remember the Holy Spirit did answer. He was like, Well, Satan will teach his secrets, his his mysteries to whoever He's got the same playbook. To, exactly. He'll teach it to whoever and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then it's always scary when God volunteers information that I'm not asking for. That's usually, you know, there's something there important. And just the next thing that I heard was the getting into robbers are alive and well in America today. And mm -hmm. that got me, that put me on a path for a little while of asking some questions of which once I got mm -hmm. the answers, I wasn't sure I wanted to know. <laughs> it was a little scary, so but I recognize that uh, there is something at play here. That they it, that you know our government and a lot of things. There's a lot of corruption going on. There's uh, it's not just a typical corruption, but there are there are powers behind the behind the scenes. So we think we elect presidents, mm -hmm. we think we elect congressmen, and all that kind of stuff, and we do, but their powers are fairly limited. There are the true rulers of this earth. And they're pulling the strings. They're the ones mm -hmm. with the power, you know. Um, we don't need to focus on that. We just know that the one that gets us out of that is Christ. And, boy, do we need to have Zion, don't we? Don't we have to have a Zion? Yeah, and that rabbit hole goes really deep with all that stuff. And it's like you said, though, um, it's Christ himself that's going to, you know, yeah. save us from all that. We're, I like to focus on the powers that uh, that come with the relationship of, with Christ. Yes, and uh, that that's going to save us from all that stuff. And that is obviously the, the mysteries that are the greatest mysteries to solve is our relationship with Christ and understanding how he's going to lead us to, to Zion in the last days yeah. and the, those types of prophecies. And um, I think that's kind of where it does go with, uh, with those types of issues that I talk about. But it probably, you, you can never focus on that enough, mm -hmm. right? Because that's just... Yeah all the wonderful stuff with yeah with understanding our relationship with with jesus yeah if we stare at the darkness too long we you know, we become yeah. filled with darkness so you have to look at the light that has to That's, be our main focus it, yeah it's like reading too much about politics it's it's oh yeah it is it becomes so negative and and depressing you know yeah and also i, I you know i was taught that uh Recently, in just the last few years here, that to get out of the politics, I thought it was interesting when I was talking with Jacob Isbell. He had the same experience. The Lord said, "You're done with politics," mm -hmm. and uh, I was Lord. I was led to a, a video on YouTube. You know, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can use the YouTube algorithm sometimes <laughs> to, to bring us <laughs> to something. To something oh, pops yeah. up, and you're like, "Whoa!" And it's exactly what you need. But there's a there's mm -hmm. a young lady um, who didn't even believe in God at all. She was an atheist. She had a lot of health problems, and something happened. Her whole life changed around, um, and suddenly she had a testimony of Christ. She's just a Christian. Uh, but then the Lord started teaching her some things, and one of the things he was teaching her was that uh, Satan is playing a game. And it's, you know, part of it is the politics. 
and basically it's two mm-hmm. sides. He defines the two sides, and if you are trying to support one side or this side, that you're just part of this game that he's playing, uh, which is mm-hmm. a Masonic teaching. They've got the black and white checkered board. It's the whole. It's the whole thing. It's the black cat, the white hat. Actually, they play both sides. And False so, dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the thing that uh, the Lord was teaching my wife and I about uh, for a while now was that there's the third way, the better way. It's his way. It's the highway, you know, <laughs> the straight and narrow. And it doesn't go to the left. It doesn't go to the right. There's a ditch on either one of those left and the right. So you can pick left or right because of whatever truths you want to emphasize or whatever. But you also have to buy the lies that are attached to those things. So those are tough. Um mm-hmm. I- after one section one thirty two and and coming to grips with that, um, what was the what would you say is the next thing that you began to maybe tackle as far as your traditions or things you've been taught, and the Lord wanting to, I guess, open your mind to maybe a new understanding. The next thing, well, there was so much because I had to go through the history of the church and realized who was lying and who was telling the truth, which is obviously it's a mess, a mat, a total mess. And doctrine and covenants has so many truths mixed with so many falsehoods. Mm-hmm. And so that's confusing. And you're yeah. like, help, where do I go? And then you realize that the revisions that were done in church history by the what we call the the secret chamber Mm -hmm. a great book i highly recommend to anybody is called well the book the secret chamber by val brinkerhoff okay um it's probably a lot of people are aware of that book but it's just uh that's the one that yeah Uh, that's really really helpful and uh so anyway that i go through a lot of uh the issues that he talks about in some of my videos and that was um, mysteries revealed because, you know, as you go through that and you study it out and you ask questions and Jesus hopefully is with you, you know, mm-hmm. and he can really clarify, okay, not everything in the book is going to be uh, true, just like in any book, or yeah. but he's going to let you know what you need to focus on and what you need to, for you to understand so that it's, everything is about increasing your ability to interact with Jesus to understand what he wants you to do specifically for you it's all about mm-hmm. personal revelation it's yeah. you know we all know it's speaking with the tongue of angels having that constant revelation um, after you've received the baptism and gift of the Holy Ghost and so uh, what he's telling me was to go through step by step all the um, the different issues about church history to understand what is true, what is not. And basically it came down to almost everything is got so much error in it and from church history that you there's not a whole lot you can really trust. And that yeah. and then of course you learn about the wickedness of Brigham Young and how he manipulated young women and spiritual wifery and how that uh, that darkness starts to become greater and greater until you realize he's got what is called uh, uh, the the people that murdered people are uh, uh, Danites yeah the, Dan- the Danites mm-hmm. and the um, uh, what was his name now anyway the angels of destruction or oh yeah I'm getting up. um 
I have it in mind blank. It is Brigham's destroying angels. So destroying. Okay. yeah, so he he has uh, that's a big part of it. So he has a lot of uh, these guys, the Danites, like you said, they were doing murders for him and and they confessed in their journals later in life. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of evil that he committed um, in the name of God. And obviously the controls that he had with uh, tithing, um, manipulation, um, changing the word of God and just so much stuff that yeah. when you open your mind to the possibility that there's this type of corruption going on, the Lord can really um, reveal so much to you that at the end of it, basically, I had no um, faith in what the church puts out as far as yeah. their version of history. It's just all been whitewashed and, and changed, and very little is left that is, is pure truth from Christ. So, mm. uh, Author Jonathan... Novell, I think is his name, um, who's LDS. Uh, he wrote a book, A Man Who Can Translate, about Joseph Smith and the translation. Um, I came across a video of his on YouTube some time back that had shocked me, and he was standing in front of a, a pretty good, sizable crowd of LDS people. Um, and he, being LDS himself, and he says, hey, how many of you have the the uh, church history books the set in your home and like everyone raised their hands like everybody had this and he says yeah take those and uh throw them in a dumpster and i was sh <laughs> i was shocked he says it's full of lies he says it's in error and you can't trust any of it uh, and basically he was telling them about the joseph smith papers um so yeah you were talking about history bill hickman, it's a <laughs> that's who it was bill hickman sorry i just had to remember it. I, I couldn't remember his name but he has a, yeah anyway <laughs> uh, which is the one that has videos or no bill bill hickman is the one of his destroying angels that uh oh he yes he, he testifies okay. later that brigham had him do all these murders and he's and what yeah. he received for them like he never received one cent but yeah. you just get what the the whatever they got from murdering the the people that they were told to kill by by Brigham. Yeah. and of course you have the the mountain meadows massacre and all that mm -hmm. to, and, oh yeah and the justifications for all that stuff oh that's just all you know everything is just denial and it's, yeah uh, there's, and there's been so movies much. been movies and stuff done on that and there was a show mm -hmm. i think on netflix or something about Oh, some of these issues. Um, and the problem with it, with that polygamy, with the destroying angels, with all that kind of thing, is you watch that, and on some level, there's there's a warning and a truth that, you know, there's something wrong here with this religion. But the sad part is, is that it's Joseph Smith gets brought into all that. His name gets brought in and, and gone mm -hmm. to the runger, you know, and along with it, the Book of Mormon. Uh, I, the the world must think that the Book of Mormon teaches polygamy, that it teaches that you, you have to go to the temple. It must it teaches baptism for the dead. It teaches that's what they think it teaches because Can we just <laughs> we should just say a quick word on that because the justification for polygamy in the Book of Mormon is got to be the weakest, most pathetic justification in oh, possibly. Not any it's, scriptures ever it's uh, it's the two chapter yeah. two and jacob verse 30 justification yeah that 
and if you look at all the surrounding context of the verses and the message and the sermon, it is just absolutely absurd Mm -hmm. to conclude that this is a justification for polygamy. It, uh, um, I would, you know, a lot of my, has that in a few of my videos, the, just explaining that false precept anyway. Yeah, and and others have done a pretty good job of that as well, and it just oh, and even before, I lost you. Oh, can you hear me? Uh oh, hold on. Testing one two three. You testing one two three. Fix Thank something. Land. Testing one two three. Testing. Just reset one, two, my headphones three. real quick. Okay, check. Testing one, two, three. Testing Why did one, two, I three. lose you? I can't hear you. Cooling. Testing, testing, what testing. What's going on? Where's my headphones? The speaker. Okay. Default speaker community. Oh. Testing. Just change. Testing one, two, three. What the heck is going on? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Just, no, I don't want to mute my mic. What? Let me just see if I can hear anything. Testing, testing, testing. Testing one, two, three. Oh, okay, so it's on my end because I can't hear anything what is going let me just fix something real here I am decent at tech here so you think I know what I'm doing it's just no not sure oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't usually have technical difficulties so this is very rare we have definitely got technical difficulties right now. Didn't work. Whatever. Move device. Yeah, just like this is really bizarre. It just all of a sudden disconnected from my headphones. I should just look at the other ones. Okay. Okay. Said it was connected, but I can't hear anything. Testing, testing, testing. One, two, three. Testing. Testing, testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. 
Testing one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. This has never happened before. This will save the day, hopefully. Oh, there. Testing. There we go. All right. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How, can you hear me good? I hear you good. Okay. Well. Yeah, you know, Satan, <sighs> messing, Satan messing with us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I was just trying to remember what we were talking about, actually. I know. We were on a good roll there. Oh. Uh, uh, Let's see. Oh, I know. No, no, what was it again? It was the Destroying Angels, and then... Oh, right, Bill Hickman. Then Bill Hickman. And then... <laughs> and then we just about... We were leaping into something else, and I and I forgot it. I remembered it for a minute. I was going to write it down, and I forgot it. <laughs> Get, getting old stinks. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Uh, well, let's see here. Um, Spill Hickman and and I was saying there's been movies and things like that made. Of course, oh, and then we the Book of Mormon, um, Justification for One Thirty Two, Book of Mormon, pretty weak. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> well, we can just mm. start start there, I guess, and we'll figure it out. Oh yeah, we were talking about the Book of Mormon. Oh yeah, I know what it was. It was Jacob two thirty. Yes, we were like that was that was the worst, most absurd justification. <laughs> and then yeah. yeah, we can go from there. Okay. Well, we just had technical difficulties, so we'll try to resume what we were just discussing here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, when I'd heard that justification that was supposedly in the Book of Mormon, I went and read it. I was like, wait a minute. Um, I mean, not even close. It's, it's one of those things where you can go to any cult, go to any bizarre um, version of Christianity you can find out there, for example. Um, maybe like the ones who believe that Jesus was racist and Aryan or something like that. And what you'll find is they'll read these obscure passages in scripture and make it seem like it's saying something that it isn't and that's what it reminded me when i read that in jacob and people said oh this is this is saying that well if jesus commands it you know mm -hmm. um so but that's not the case i mean to me that you you're you're resting the scriptures at that point and yeah. when you when you have to go uh when you've got several pages of god just slamming the doctrine of polygamy or the belief of polygamy or the practice of it and saying and going all the way as far as to say it's an abomination. Mm -hmm. And then you pick out, and abominations. Yes. Then you pick out one little line yeah. 
that is very obscure that you know what does that mean and you have to literally interpret to mean something and you turn it into oh that means all of this is okay now that we just got done saying is not okay (laughs) there's a problem that should be a red flag right there if if it's yeah if it's god's will if he wants to raise up seed yes and and just before that it talks about if i raise up seed i will command them not to do the thing that they're going to both they're just about to justify (laughs) yeah what's interesting is that um all of this is really referring to a commandment that lehi received and i think this might be in the missing 116 pages that we have out of the book of mormon because that was actually the the book of lehi i guess which ended up being replaced with like first and second nephi um so that's a whole interesting history right there. God found a way to give us that history, but we're still mm-hmm. missing that book of Lehi that was in 116 pages. But this seems to be referring to it because at some point Nephi literally says that Lehi, I think earlier, not in Jacob, but I think says that um, Lehi was given a commandment that they were never to practice this practice of a, of a polygamy here mm-hmm. on this promised land and that anyone that did would be removed. Um, so even though we don't have where Lehi received that command, we have Nephi or somebody actually talking about that, that our father, that Lehi originally received that commandment, um, which is curious to me because if you have that, then there's no justification for polygamy being practiced on this land ever yeah. at and any he, time. And Nephi also says that the, the manner of the Jews were abominable. I can't remember the exact yeah. scripture off the top, but it was just like, yeah, the manner of the Jews is, is, is just this awful traditions of abominations and, and, you know, it's not something we want to repeat. And so there's nope. lots of hints to that type of thing. That It turns out that polygamy was one of the practices being practiced in Jerusalem for which they were, would be destroyed. And mm. uh, it's also interesting. The book of Mormon points out that the reason why the, the Nephites are going to be destroyed ultimately, one of the reasons, and one of the reasons why the Lamanites will not be fully wiped off the land is over the issue of polygamy. Because the Nephites were practicing polygamy, he says, you'll be wiped off this land if you do. And then the Lamanites, it says, well, the Lamanites at least don't practice polygamy. And because of that, I will preserve them. I mean, right there is pretty powerful evidence that, I mean, that is, this is not a small matter to the Lord, right? It's not just a, some small doctrine that we can disagree on. Yeah. And surrounding that, he often, he says about the daughters, how that he, he hears their mourning and how horrific it is for them emotionally. Yeah. And then he says, but, you know, sometimes I'm going to let that happen. Right. Yeah. According to the LDS interpretation, it's like, what? So why was he talking about how horrific it was that he's yeah. going to sometimes, but it's okay at certain times, he's going to allow this kind of torture to women? God is God is the same today, yesterday, and today, and forever. Yeah, but, His mercy all of a sudden disappears for women in certain times. Like no, but but you know, there's a difference between just plain old polygamy, where you just have multiple wives, and maybe uh, maybe you're just trying to spread your seed further and <laughs> have more children and build a an army of people, uh, a nation of people, whatever the reason they did it for lust for economics whatever the reason is that's a that's a that's a far cry though from the insidious nature of section 132 or is it 132 yeah it's the claim for multiple wives 
and concubines. That's the Brigham mm-hmm. Young claim in verse one. We have to remember that he's not saying mm-hmm. this is a Leverite, uh, this is a justification for the Leverite law, this is yeah. a justification for a couple of wives, this is a justification for many wives and concubines, which is the direct quote in Jacob 2, verses 23 and 24, mm-hmm. which is many wives and concubines is the practice of whoredoms and abominations. Yeah. So that's could be more blatantly uh, corrupt or specifically against the revelations from Jesus Christ himself and Jacob too. So. And, the, and the real insidious nature of it is that it ties it into not just something on this earth, but now mm-hmm. it makes it forever. You know, the idea is that you're sealed forever into polygamy, into yeah, all of have- eternity. And you have to do that for what? To become a god, which is a prideful yeah. insinuation in itself. It's about envy. It's about pride. It's about we can become equal to our father in every way. Well, he's, we're, he was, and of course they have to make him a man, which diminishes the doctrine of Christ. They've got to turn him into once a man like us, which is not scripture. Uh, there's no second witness for that. God was God through all, from all eternity to all eternity. And it says that multiple places all throughout the scriptures, same yesterday, today, and forever. I think and you touched on it. What does the word eternity mean? You talked about people yeah. changing the, the meaning of a word, that this is one of the ways that Satan waters down the word of God. Eternity, if God is eternal, that means no beginning, no end. If God were once a man, he has a beginning. <laughs> That's right. Right? Yeah, and, and of course, and they wanted to, they want to uh, to make Jesus. Uh, they want to take twist rest the scriptures of Jesus being a man and coming in the flesh. Therefore, well, he's not fully yeah. God at some point as mm-hmm. a child or something like that because he has to increase in intelligence. Yeah. They're saying that limits his godhood, which is not scriptural no. at all. He uh, increases in favor this is all this is all yeah. obviously he has to he's deciding to go through the increase in intelligence that we all have to go through and understanding yeah. uh scriptures indicate he's he was fully god and fully man so it's both yeah. i mean he yeah he he had to work by the sweat of his brow he had to labor under the same rules and laws that we all did he did that on purpose so that he could show us the way um, that it's not impossible. You don't have to be the Son of God. You don't have to. You don't have to be God in the flesh to do these things. Um, he didn't break the rules. This is what I thought was interesting. Is that's part of the reason why he became a man? Is that uh, first of all, you know, how do you relate to the invisible God? But here he is. Uh, you can see the kindness in his eyes. You can hear the compassion in his voice. And him teaching his disciples that really helped for them to understand who what the true nature of God was because he was so mysterious and scary. I would say scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they had a lot of bad ideas about God, and they kind of beat each other up with the law an awful lot. Yeah. And here, and here the we religious have, spirit, yeah. Yeah, and here we have this compassionate Christ. It's such a beautiful thing that he, he spent three years, and it's recorded his nature. Because without that, we'd all be lost. How could we... How could we be Christians? How could we know Christ without that? Um, and I love that he didn't cheat. He became a man, and he did what we all have to do. 
Um, he even got baptized, you know, mm-hmm. and John yeah. is like incredulous, like what? What do you baptize you? Like I'm the one. <laughs> you don't even have any sin, buddy. You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> to fulfill all righteousness. So he's going to go through. He's going to walk the same path we all do, mm-hmm. and even include be the first to be resurrected the first fruits of the resurrection, making it possible for us all to be resurrected, you know? And yet he's fully God. He's 100% fully God, even though he the suffered all him, those things. Yeah, the, the suffering part, like to choose to, to have to go through the worst torture that man had ever devised and to think that it was because of love, you know, that he chose that. Oh, yeah. I, I just can't even imagine. It blows God me is, away. I'm so glad God is so much better than me because I probably would have wiped out humanity like a hundred thousand times by now. I mean, I, I can't even, you know, it, one thing that's hard for me to suffer is when someone says something about me that is completely untrue. Like it's just 100% a lie. Like I just, it's hard for me to bear that. And I think about Christ on the cross. I mean, according to John, all things were created by him. Not anything was created without him he is the creator okay Mm -hmm. and so he created all these people that put him on the cross right there those religious people who are mocking and all that these Mm -hmm. roman soldiers that are scourging you know and spitting on him and all this kind of stuff and he took it Mm -hmm. and man if this is to show us the true nature of god what does that do for us Mm -hmm. i mean the truth sets you free yeah the the mission that we're called on that anything that we have to give up i know a lot of people like to to just talk about his love which is all important and very critical to understand and obviously probably maybe the most important thing to understand but there's things that we can do to we have we all of us have maybe false traditions that we've got little idols like for me it was music um I just yeah. love my, you know, my rocking out to my music, and I, I really, in, and then I play guitar, and then I would sing it, and it just, it was became a negative thing for me, and it had to be something I had to put on the altar and sacrifice for Jesus at yeah. the end of the day, and I had to do that a couple of times in my life because it was such a temptation to go back to. Um, it gave me the praise of men. It gave me acceptance among my friends. It was uh, what I didn't get. At church, I could just go with my other group of friends, and they were like, "Yay, you're good at that. We appreciate you. Yeah. We love you for that. That's a talent." And then I, but it was it became an idol, and it was a negative thing, and it brought negative uh, a negative spirit to my soul, you know. And so, one foot in do, the world, one now, foot in the world, and one foot in in your covenant with Christ, which is something absolutely. I did for a long time as well. At, um, yeah, I mean, I had like a four or 500 CD collection of music. I remember the day I took it to the record store and put it all down and said, how much will you give me for this? Oh man, that was, but you know, for the love of Christ, when I discovered that there was a God, that he was real, it, nothing, there was nothing I wasn't willing to sacrifice. Oh, I got so much trouble. We had a, I had a bunch of VHS tapes that's how old i am i kind of dating myself but yeah i that we had recorded over the years for my band our rock band and i and when i Whoa. gave them i threw them all away 
and yeah. oh my ex-lead singer uh, <laughs> used to do half the songs with me she was in the band yeah uh, but i got and then my sister and I just everybody was like what have you done you crazy religious lunatic kind of thing yeah but i was like i've done this before i'll put it all all on the altar for christ he's Bob, worth anything. you're 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 what we call a zealot <laughs> that's right <laughs> I mean the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was one of those crazy religious zealots. So. Well, I, to me, that's that's a sign, possibly, of being born again. When Alma says, have you experienced this mighty change of heart? I mean, if you experienced a mighty change of heart and it completely transforms your whole life, and the end result is nothing's really changed, but now <laughs> I just know about Jesus, you know... <laughs> I kind of question that because to me, it makes you do things. It makes you do crazy things that no one else would do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Every time. Well, you know, and if I hadn't done that already when I was night, I guess I just turned 20 when I finally had the Holy Ghost experience but it was towards the end. It's weird. It always happens around just after my birthday in March. My birthday's in February and it happens in March, whatever mm -hmm. amazing transformational thing so i always get scared around february march my birthday it's not necessarily a good thing the lord might call me on a new mission you know it's like uh, but uh <laughs> get out of my comfort zone yet again thanks a lot but uh yeah so well this this interview will be like one of those movies where the whole story is not in chronological order that's like for goes, sure. goes back and forth through history and you just have to try to pick it up <laughs> so I'd like you to share a little bit about that experience you had. I mean, you had an experience where um, really you came into relationship with Jesus. Was that the same experiences with the Holy Spirit? Um, it was it a separate experience? And could you just share that like a testimony? Share us what what happened with you. Well, the, the first time um, I experienced the Lord was uh, when I was 17 and I didn't I decided I didn't believe in God anymore previous to that I was always curious about uh, religion and, and uh, the power of God and so I kind of went the opposite direction I started reading books on witches and warlocks and and all that stuff and uh, and then that was like 13 years old 14 being a, a rowdy teenager kind of stuff and then finally when I was 17 the Lord gave me a horrific experience that uh, awoken awakened me to the fact that there was a god at least mm. there was a devil that's for sure and uh, <laughs> I, it scared me so bad that i got up and it was kind of like a, a nightmare but i was awake kind of thing yeah. so i i knew that the devil was certainly real and i went down and i, I remember my first prayer i hadn't i don't think i'd prayed and i since i don't even know how like maybe when i was a kid when I'd pray like, don't let the devil get me in my dreams kind of thing. But yeah. so I went down and I said, oh God, you know, I know you're real, like help me. Don't let the devil get me kind of thing. So that was 17. And then of course I, I evolved. I started reading the Book of Mormon a little bit and uh, started to develop my spirituality. But at 19, that's when I decided I had to find out for sure if there was a God and uh, towards the end of 19 and then I sacrificed my friends. I moved to another town. I I stopped uh, drinking, you know, basically, and mm -hmm. and uh, I sacrificed all I could. I moved back with my mom. I decided I'm going to go on a mission. I'm going to, you know, study every day, all day, and I'm just going to dedicate myself to the Lord. And 
couple of weeks later, wow. it was like nothing's going on. Was you know, I don't, don't really feel anything. Well, I'm, that's it. I just I don't care. I'm going. You know, I'm everything. I, I love the Lord. And I'm just going to read these scriptures and dedicate my life to Him. And and so I did that. And about a month, just over a month later, the Lord visited me with. Uh, incredible experience that i'll always remember but it was uh, the power of the holy ghost descended upon me it was it lasted all evening into the night and it was just the most incredible love um and grace experience obviously still comes yeah. back but uh you know and it changed me and uh sorry but uh, hey, no always gets me. But uh, yeah, so the Lord became very real at that point, and of course, I noticed that you know studying the scriptures changed. I had much yeah. more uh, understanding of what I was reading, and I felt the presence of the Lord. And He, He's just like introducing Himself to me, and I, uh, like you know, I kind of felt like He was just slowly revealing Himself to me. Yeah, well. I, so I'm noticing a pattern here, and it's it's not just in your life. It's it's in, I think, in everyone's life here, because you've had a couple experiences now where you set out to learn something, but God didn't just give you an answer right away. There's something about, there's a, and it's not because God's sitting back there like, well, you're going to have to prove this to me. God already knows who we are. He knows our true heart, right? So what I know is that he must be allowing us to have that time, that trial, that period of are we going to are we going to persevere or give up or whatever because we need that experience. We have to have that experience. That experience opens a door, I think, in inside of ourselves. It's the only thing I can think of because mm-hmm. uh, it's important. He said ask, seek and knock. He didn't say, well, just ask only. You know, you have to seek things out. Um, 26-year-old me is very uh, puzzled and envious of 19-year-old you because I had to go a lot longer of drinking and partying and doing all the things I shouldn't be doing before I finally... In fact, I had to get to the end of that and see just how bad that could get. So I'm amazed at 19, because 19 years old, there's all kinds of things you should be doing at 19, right? Supposedly partying and having fun and chasing well, girls and whatever, it, you you know. And here you are, actually, pursuing God. <laughs> that was actually, I was still too immature because after my mission, eight months yeah. later, I got back into it again. I I was kind of tortured on my mission a little bit by my mission president, I have okay. to admit. he it, The first year was great. We had a great relationship. He gave me decent companions. Everything was good. But the second year, he got mad at me because I didn't show up for a P-Day activity. And I was like, well, it's my day off, so I should be able to do what I want to do. And then, anyway, so we got into it. I got into it with my mission president. Bad idea. You rebel, recommend you. that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was a rebel. I've always kind of been. Uh, you can't ha- exercise unrighteous dominion over me. I know the scriptures. Well, they don't. Really, that's not how it works. But anyway, that was a bad idea. But uh, he gave me all the. I had to train for the rest of my mission, and then, and then I had the worst of the worst uh, for the rest of my mission. It was very stressful. I stuck it out and I stayed. But um, if I was much, if I was, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If I knew what I knew, knew then that I know now, I probably wouldn't have accepted that amount of abuse. But so by the time I got off my mission, I was kind of 
had a little bad taste in my mouth with the whole yeah. authority being abused thing. And then I, anyway, so the long story short, I ended up doing the band thing I had already told you about. And for another, you know, what it was, nine years, and then I finally had to, I got, had a dream again, Lord, awakening dream that I had, uh, I saw hell and I saw where I was going to go, but I saw that I was using the adversary's power and that uh, he was like, okay. is this where you want to go? All right. So <laughs> like, no. it, it was at 19 that you no. first had an experience. That was um, my Holy Ghost experience, yeah. Then you, you, you did go through some tough time and mm -hmm. regressed spiritually for a time. You said about nine mm -hmm. years. So so now we're yeah. you're getting close to your 30s. Is that right? Somewhere in there? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Now I feel a little bit better about myself. <laughs> but even then, after like after that, I got out of my band. It's, I was still wandered in the wilderness until I was yeah. forty, and so I was. Yeah. I, you know, although, like the Lord never left me, and I had converts during those times. I brought people into the church. Uh, yeah. it, my fruit didn't remain. I wasn't blessed. My fruit, like the people, didn't stay in the church. I, now I know it was because. A lot of it was because of the church and the traditions of people. They were rejected. Like I brought in rejects. People were like me who came from a little rougher uh, background, and then yep. they were completely rejected by any because of you have to have the right suit. You've got to have the right mm -hmm. family. Wow. You've got to have oh, the yeah. right. Uh, <clears throat> you got to have the right look, and and if you don't have a lot of money, you're and if you're divorced, forget it. Oh yeah, like you might as well just be you know a leper. So. That's not how the Lord works, you know. <laughs> oh, wait, you've got a checkered history. I guess uh, yeah. we can't accept you. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I you know I uh, I can't uh, I can't say that I uh, twice uh, the Lord had to swallow me up with a I was a Jonah that went twice into the belly of whale. I don't want to do a third time if I can help it. So I, I have I had fallen away a couple times myself. So I I understand that, and to mm -hmm. me um, I don't recommend it. But what I will tell you is that what it did gain me is a testimony of just how um, merciful the Lord is, uh, and how much grace that He extends to us. Um, for Him, it's He knows our heart and He knows the situations that we're in. I, I love that about Him. You know, that mm -hmm. Jesus said, you know, uh, he says, you judge on the outward, right? He says, but if I were to judge, I'm judging on the heart, on the, on the inward, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so he knows the situations that we're in. He And he knows what it takes to get us back. And I, I praise God that he goes after that. He leaves the 99 goes after the one. Because, man, I've oh, been yeah. the one. I've been the one a couple of times. <laughs> oh, I will say, when I was... When I was 40, that was like the final call for me. Or yeah. I shouldn't say that because I don't know that. He'd probably find out a way to drag me back into his relationship with him again because he's so awesome and, and just, you know, he's the best yeah. God ever, yeah. <laughs> to, to put it mildly. But uh, 40, I felt that call. It was like, it's time to come. Let's let's do this now, yeah. Mr. Coulter. Mr. Colt. So... <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, uh, that was it, and I remember that was when my my son had turned just he was three and a half, and I started taking him to church, and that was it. It was no more messing around at that point. So. Sure, you're gonna get back into church. You're gonna you're gonna walk the straight and narrow, mm -hmm. and then you get awakened at some point though, 
So now, <laughs> yeah, not um, so. Then, eleven years later, I'm on um, called on this different journey, and it's my you're son. Not, is, you're not that old. There's no way you're that old. <laughs> yeah, fifty-two. <laughs> I mean, how many more decades forward are we going to go for me? <laughs> I know you think I'm just forty. How much older can this? I, you know, I thought you were thirty-five myself. So oh, I don't, well, thank I don't, you. I don't yeah, have much gray, uh, so you know. I know. I somebody i got i have to tell people i got a few grays for 52 that's not bad i get a little bit of hair left but i'm, uh, I'm sorry for interrupting go ahead <laughs> no it's totally fine totally fine yeah so uh so anyway that was 52 now it's like and it guess when it happened just after my birthday march mm. right it's like yeah hmm interesting jesus so you just you like throwing me these curveballs around march for some reason but uh, <laughs> a special time Ab yeah. ab about what year was it that you began to awaken to this and began to question 22 last year yeah okay yeah. so it's interesting so many people it's somewhere either beginning 2020 21 2022 and and even to now i mean it seemed like it began in 2020 but it's just like a wave wave after wave of people oh, coming in that tells you how deep I was dedicated to the church because when COVID came, I was not supporting anything the church did. I knew yeah. right away the Spirit said, this is not good. Yeah. This is not from God. And I knew that they were going to try all these experiments on society to see how much they could push and, uh, you know, in control of society. And I had that and I went and I even got an early what was it? The mask that mm -hmm. covers everything and it's got the good filter and 95 oh, yeah. and all that stuff. I never went that far. Mask. I was, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I thought they were going to be pulling this over and checking for masks. I had all these crazy ideas in my head. Yeah. Not too, not that far off, but it was uh, not, thankfully, didn't get that bad. But anyway, so I had those premonitions and the Lord was like, yeah, they're going to do some bad stuff. And, and I knew that President uh, our Russell M. Nelson with his policies and everything through it was all like, but I, I justified it. I said, he's just a man. He can make mistakes. Sure. Church is still true. Everything's yeah. fine. And uh, it, it just because that's traditions. So that's what we're taught that the church can't make those mistakes. Men, men are men and just accept everything. And so, uh, you know, that's, it took the Lord himself to snap me out of it and go, hey, there's problems here. Here they are. And, and it's like, oh. yeah. you know, he threw me literally into the wilderness himself. It, it would, it took that. So, yeah, you're pretty devoted. I, you know, I, I think it was in 2020 when I had, I have missionaries come to the house on a regular basis. I don't know why they haven't put my name on a list somewhere. I have no idea, uh, but I'm always gracious with them. I'm always loving and kind, compassionate. I always want to hear what they have to say. I listen to their testimony, um, but I always share too. And, uh, you know, I had a question for them. And I said, you know, with the pandemic and everything, I said, and this was right after they shared a message on their phone. They had a, a smartphone and they played a message from the prophet president of the LDS church, Nelson. And it was like this... Uh, I'm not sure what it was. It was almost like a Thanksgiving message about, you know, family and, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. th the thankfulness that we have family and, and the good riches of, of life and whatever it was. And, and, and I, I listened to this and I, th I think I kept thinking like this could be 
the corporate CEO of Hallmark or something just (laughs) doing some sort of greeting or whatever. There was nothing really spiritual about it, per se. Um, And they played that and they said, uh, what do you you think? And I said, well, it was a nice message. Um, I said, I don't disagree with anything there. I said, although nothing in here particularly prophetic. And what was interesting is they kind of nodded their head almost like, Oh yeah. You know, like they thought about for a second, they nodded their head. (laughs) And then I said, I have a question for you. I said, with this pandemic and everything, this is kind of a, this is a worldwide event. This is something that's impacted the church. It's impacted business. It's impacted everything. I said, uh, I just have an honest question. I said, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put you in a corner or anything like that. If you don't want to answer, but I said, did your prophet, um, you know, did he foresee uh, COVID-19? Did he foresee the impact to business? Did he warn its members, you know, prophetically? And they were truthful and they said no, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for me, that's, to me, like, people can make any claim. You can say, we've got the right church and we've got the right beliefs or we've got the right doctrine and I've got the, we have a true prophet. Okay, that's fine. There's all kinds of claims that are made everywhere. Um, to sit there and try and evaluate all that, the, to me, the ultimate uh, way to judge anything or understand anything is but what kind of fruit does it bear? And so if you're saying you're a prophet, I guess I'm looking for the prophetic utterances and the things that come to pass, you know. And so it's a curious mm-hmm. thing that, that right now the church is sitting with what they believe to be the prophet for the whole world. And there is only truly one prophet, and we're supposed to hear him. And yet I don't see much prophetic at all, really. It, no. Prophets it, prophesy. Right? Yeah. That's one of my videos, and uh, I go through all that. But it's like, Did that ever cross your mind? Uh, <laughs> did it ever cross your mind as you were trying to be a diligent member of the church? Did that ever cross your mind? And no. Think, never compared and, uh, Nelson to no. Joseph Smith, Jr.? No, I had never been presented okay. with any of the information, and I'm the type of guy who likes to think, oh, bring any argument, because this is, I used to love to yeah. think, I I could, with my, I have Jesus Christ, you cannot confound me, mm-hmm. I will confound you, I have the truth, and so <laughs> if anybody would have brought any of these arguments yeah. to me, I would have been like, what, really, no way, like, Okay, well, how can I beat these arguments? How you know? And so yeah. I would have tested my own. I was never the type of guy to when I was on my mission or any time in my life to to be fearful of anybody confronting my truth because I thought mm-hmm. I did truly believe that if I had the truth, it, it could be uh, tested at any you yeah. know, with any kind of argument against it, and I would be able to to. Uh, but you know, like I and then when I came in, as soon as I knew with the hemlock knots guys and their arguments it was like they destroyed anything i'd ever previously even considered yeah and i you know i knew okay and then the lord obviously worked with me through those that process of understanding those arguments but yeah i mean the truth sets us free and you know mm-hmm. if if the truth can't bear inspection it can't be truth so that's one thing that was never yeah. a barrier for me now i had plenty of tradition and ideas and my own personal weaknesses to overcome and still working on those. I have not arrived, yeah. uh, but I always, always have known, and it's always been in my core belief system 
for as long as I can remember that truth is important to me. I want to know the truth wherever it leads. And it may be, there may have been times where I was hesitant to go somewhere and look at something because I wasn't sure where it was going to lead me. There were times, uh, but I knew eventually I had to, you know, it just comes a point. You have to be bold and say, look, if, if examining this means I become an atheist, then so be it. I want to be, I want to know the truth. And you know, which is why I, just, I even went and examined all the anti-arguments. That was the first place because I was like, okay, you know, I've gone there before. I had read the, uh, all the anti-stuff to prepare for my mission or at least the, the Mormon perspective on the anti-stuff so that I had the arguments against it, thinking that, you know, they were telling me something, but it, real, it really didn't teach me a whole lot of the actual anti-arguments that I eventually got into. But anyway... That's a dark place, but uh, yeah. now I can at least destroy all that yeah. quite easily when you understand the actual history of the church yeah. and, and all that stuff. But Yeah, the, the cloud of darkness uh, Satan puts out there is pretty thick, and you it, can get lost yeah. for a while. I, Yeah, um, and I think that's why it's, it's good that there are witnesses out there, like Hemlock Knots. I mean, they, that is an mm -hmm. excellent resource. And like you say, you don't necessarily believe everything, go along with everything. Yeah, I hope you don't believe or go along with everything I say. Um, right. You have maybe some things in your videos that maybe I'd go, eh, I don't know if, about that. but And that's yeah. fine. But what's important is we know there is a God. And, and that Christ is the way to God. That he is God in the flesh. That, that this is true. That we can stand on those words in the Book of Mormon and in, in his gospel and his doctrine and they are true. Um, so that that's important. That's the unity that we can all come under. That's what makes us his church. Those other things, yeah. you know. The Book of Mormon is, is the most powerful book and it does have the core doctrines that can unite a people in a Zion society. You know, and I see the deconstruction of certain doctrines, his infinite and eternal atonement. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll just briefly mention there's this mult multiple mortal probation doctrine that has oh, yeah. to change very plain and precious truths. And they have to change things like words, phrases like this life. Mm -hmm. They've got to, they've got to take that and they've got to change it. They've got to change uh, foreknowledge. They've got to, and uh, these are all doctrines that Alma taught in yeah. uh Chapter 34, LDS 34, LDS 12, LDS, LDS uh, uh, chapter 13. And so, anyway, there's, there's certain things that they have to change in order to get to this doctrine. Obviously, infinite atonement. You're going to need multiple atonements for multiple mm -hmm. Jesus titles and stuff like that. But anyway, so that is very controversial and has not made me a lot of friends in some of the, the groups, the Facebook groups that I've yeah. frequented. But uh, I think that... It's something that is uh, is just, it's what the adversary does is he has to limit the power of the core doctrines of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, that's what he, he gets a foothold in people's uh, understanding of his doctrine, which limits what he can do. I mean, if you think that you're going to need another Jesus Christ and another life and he's not going to fully be able to save you, that's an issue, right? Yeah. You know, we're familiar with the idea of, of Satan taking away many plain and precious truths. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I realized is, like, you know, the Book of Mormon, once it got out, I mean, the 116 pages were lost. But once it got out, 
he really couldn't take it away, right? We got various copies and printing of it from various churches and different groups. Um, there's not really a copyright on it per se. Um, it's out there. He can't take it away. What he can do is add. And what I found out is that when he adds, he takes away. And so that, to me, that, that is a concern of mine that as people are coming out, even coming out of the traditions and the errors of the institutional churches, that still Satan is w- waiting in the, in the path off to the side saying, hey, you know, once you step off the path here, I've got some, some interesting stuff. We still have these other doctrines. Christ has his doctrine. He says, it's the only doctrine in me. And it's very plain, and people can agree on that say, yeah, that's true. But then we still want to gravitate towards other doctrines. That well, are- and this one says you could become a god. Guess what? Yeah. Oh, and God wasn't always, you know, it's the same. It's, it's another version yeah. of a Brighamite doctrine, right? And it's like very attractive to, to, to the same traditions that you came from. It's like, oh, that's a similar precept. Where did that come from? You know? Yeah, I think this might be the reason why I feel like the Lord's really hitting upon to me that to understand his true nature is probably central to mm-hmm. us going forward as a people. Because um, what those doctrines that you're talking about get to is a question the nature of God. They question who he really is and his true nature. And that's so right. that's Satan is looking to do that. He's always looking to undermine God. If he can either, if Satan can either raise himself up to God's level, which he tried, and then that didn't work. Next thing he can do is try to bring God down to his level. So now God is, you know, just, just a man, just like the rest of us, and we can become like him. That's to me. That's that's Satan's fantasy. Mm-hmm. That's the sin that got him in trouble, and it's not going to help him out. It's not going to help us out. So that's yeah. It's that is, and that's the thing they can't. When you go to the core understanding, like you're saying, like the issue is who God is, and who He, you know, His power is. What is He eternal? Is is His atonement infinite? These are the core issues that anybody who has a false doctrine will never be able to dispute. Well, they'll they'll try and dispute it. They'll try yeah. to 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 limit it and and. Whatever the, you know, the doctrines obviously, but those are the things that they attack, and they can't. Uh, well, they can't win those arguments when you use the actual word of God, and, you, and it's not yeah. that we're trying to argue with people, but we do have to stand up for truth. We do have yeah. to proclaim the truth, and other people, and especially on in, in the Facebook groups, as other people will read, and if they only have the perspective of the adversary and they don't have anybody challenging those truths, that's an issue. Yeah. Somebody and 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 only way that evil can win is when good men do nothing. And so and it's you think, well, this is just a Facebook group, just relax. Well, no, there's precious souls there that Jesus loves and he wants them to know the truth and he needs the voice of truth in those groups as well. So yeah. Amen. Uh we do we do have to plant seeds. Um we can't we can't cause people to understand and believe things. We can't cause them to believe as we believe. Uh, that was that's something. Right. Uh, that's not how God works. You have to get your own revelation of it. But uh, right. unless you hear that, unless you hear the truth, how do you know it? If the Holy that's Spirit, like me. yeah, I, 
I never knew. Nobody had ever gave me those arguments. I had never had an opportunity to even believe the truth. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I, I, that's, you know, the Holy Spirit. We have him as a guide. And when someone says something, sometimes your spirit will just latch right on. You hear the Holy Spirit is just like gravitates to to that truth. It's a truth. So we have to speak those things. We don't have to argue them. We don't have to debate them at length. Um, If someone is truly interested in exploring it, you can give them some scriptures or whatever. But for me, a lot of these extraneous doctrines are a lot like that obscure verse in the Book of Mormon that is rested to make it sound like somehow you can justify polygamy, even though we just got (laughs) done reading, you know, several pages telling you flat out, no, it is completely 100% rejected by God. Whoredoms and abominations, not strong enough language for you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing I can do at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It it becomes one of those red flags for me uh, that I see in Mormonism in different stripes of Mormonism in the different churches. Even RLDS has some of its own little sacred cows that are not really in the scriptures. And I always say it reminds me of rapture. You know, Christians, so many Christians with the rapture theology. And and here's the red flag for me. My red flag about rapture is nowhere in the scriptures do you find the word rapture. So when you have to invent a word to describe a doctrine, to make it so as if it's in the Bible when it's not. And I find that same problem with whether it's multiple probations or whatever. Like, um, you're, you're just, you're, you're trying, you're creating it out of something. I understand you are interpreting certain things, but you, you have to actually generate and make a word for it that doesn't even exist. If multiple, uh, probationary, mortal probation, whatever it's called, if, if that exists in the scriptures, why is it not talked about? Just directly. Why is it not a word? Jesus didn't have troubles with words. He wrote uh, quite a a bit of words and said a lot of words. You've got to change the meaning of words, too. Not only is it not in there, but this word doesn't mean this word literally. It's not eternal. It's it's this. Or it's not infinite because we need multiple so this infinite thing is changed and diminished. And Anyway, you know what I mean. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus said we had to be born again. He didn't have any trouble with that, Nicodemus had trouble. Nicodemus like, can I enter in my mother's womb again? Well, evidently we can if you believe in the in the doctrine of multiple probations. Uh, we, yeah, that's what it means. But no, he's like, yeah. no, you got to be born of water and of spirit. I mean, he, he has words. He uses them. He can describe them to us. But these obscure doctrines that, that got invented somewhere along the way, we should always question, I think, when you don't see multiple witnesses of it, that's what God says in the mouth of several witnesses and even more witnesses while I bring. So if your witness is out of doctrine covenants, whatever section, or just from one particular prophet, um, I don't care who they are. Um, it doesn't, you, you, what we know is that God hasn't really established that truth yet. If it is a truth, he hasn't established it. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Book of Mormon. We don't have it anywhere else. And so I, those things are a cautionary to me. We have to be careful of them. And yeah. also, of what value does that, what does that do for you exactly? So if you think that you have possibly other probations that get it right, there's only one fruit of that that I can think of. And that is that, oh, I've got time to waste I'll have more probations, right? That's right. Well, I mean, God will beat me with a few stripes, and at last I'll be saved in the kingdom of God. Yeah. I just come back down and try it again. Yeah. It's of no real value to our salvation here in the now. It, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, that's why I question that sort of thing. I mean, if people want to believe in that, that's fine. I guess we'll all find out eventually one day. But what I would say is don't uh, don't count on it. <laughs> if if we can count on it, then I think Christ would have made it very plain. Remember, he said that he God delighted in plainness. Nephi said, mm-hmm. I delight in plainness. Where did we go from that to suddenly God's very obscure and making obscure references and we're supposed to just, uh, you know. Yeah, well, people who, they love the mysteries to for the false doctrines, right? Obviously, you get that with the polygamists. Yeah. It's like, it's a mystery for, what is it, those who are uh, ordained to the some priesthood. I can't remember, whatever it is. Yeah. But, and that's... It's a mystery to only the, and this is, goes back to the mystery school doctrines, which is the profane and the adepts. So you have the profane, that's me and you, and then you have the adepts who are initiated into the higher knowledge, the yes. higher mysteries, gnosis, right? And so yes, this is that, the language of secret societies. Some people may be right. lost what you're saying there, but yes. Right. 100%. Profane is like, yeah, just the average guy who just, he's told the, you know the what everybody gets to hear, and then the adepts learns the actual truth about the sim- symbolism that mm-hmm. is lied about to the profane guys, the average people, me and you. So, yeah. anyway, that's all in the videos of the, the yeah, a- the Kendall Anderson stuff. That's yep. that's really really. Or we uh, or they can go watch your videos as a as a good introduction to that as well. And yeah, um, so you you mentioned um, I. I first saw you on Doctrine of Christ. Um, let me just share this real quick here. Um, screen. Yeah, there we go. Um, I think this is the first post that I saw. It drew my attention because it said, no need for priesthood. Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I, no getting you're not gonna beat around the bush here you just gotta come straight out and like smack someone right in the face um you did amend it a little bit later um but i you know i want to uh, just ask you a bit here on um let's see let me stop sharing there um this is going to be an ongoing revelation for you i'm sure as it will be for mm-hmm. me um but here's what I'm I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling about it. And I'd, I'd just like you to express whatever comes to your mind on this that you want to share. But we have a tendency to make things complicated. And I feel like the more the Lord reveals to me about the concept of priesthood, whether we talk about you know specific ministries or offices and ministries as priesthood, or whether it's the royal priesthood, basically we all all those who make covenant with Christ or entered into a priesthood. But either way you look at it, it's really a much more simple concept. That's what I feel like the Lord has lead me to. This is so much more simple. Mm-hmm. We want to make it complicated. Um, we want to have a lot of doctrines around it and a lot of rules. And I'm, I'm getting the feeling that the whole point of this is that there aren't supposed to be a bunch of rules on this stuff. And it really is about, it comes down to the Holy Spirit. It comes down oh. to the Holy Ghost. It is, and and that was the initial uh, point of that post, and it was that he he touched his disciples and gave them purpose, and he gave them the power of the Holy Ghost to to do baptisms, right? Yeah. Because it says in Alma thirteen that the priesthood is given to those who are who are meant to have it, 
Uh, they're preordained to have it from the foundation, from before the foundation of this mm -hmm. world. And so the people that he was with, who were with him, obviously he didn't have to talk about it or uh, that wasn't an issue. They already had it, but they did need the power of the Holy Ghost, which it does mention in Third Nephi what, about they had when they were ordaining folks um, or to teacher, to priest, um, to that, yeah. uh, to those offices. But it is simple. It is the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the mind of Christ. We need Jesus. It is just, we follow him. It's all centered. It's all Christ-centered, centered, and he will lead us into all knowledge, everything that we need to do, everything that we need to be, mm -hmm. everything that we need to understand. It's worshiping him anyway so i i gave my son uh i had a sacred experience yesterday i'll, I'll just share briefly but it, i gave him a, a blessing and i was able to because of this new understanding that uh i, I do have the priesthood it's not from a church mm -hmm. it's not from a man it is from jesus christ and when i and i used Amen. i stopped using i stopped using uh the terminology when i gave blessings by the you know uh, by the authority of the, the Maholi Melchizedek priesthood, mm -hmm. because that just wasn't true anymore. I didn't have any revelation on that. And when I got this revelation, it was great, because when I, I got to say, by the authority of the holy priesthood, from before the foundation of the world, and, you know, when I'm giving the blessing, and mm -hmm. I felt a new power, a new understanding, a new a power of faith that I was saying, and was confirmed by the Holy Ghost, and yes, it is the power of the Holy Ghost that works through us, but is by virtue of this priesthood that we do um, possess from before the foundation of the world. And that can be confirmed to anybody through revelation. Jesus Christ will let us know that that is a real thing. Yeah, so speaking of in your, in your post, one of them here anyway, um, when you were talking about this, uh, someone made a comment. And I didn't fully understand the comment because I, I think it has an LDS context that I don't fully understand. Probably something to do with the temple. Right. Uh, but they said something about um, what Alma speaks about in the priesthood. It says that they were foreordained, you know, from the foundation of the earth uh, because of their exceeding great faith. Mm -hmm. And it says, so how could they have, if they were ordained before the foundation of earth, then how could it be according to their exceeding great faith unless it was something with the veil? They were something behind the veil. And I was like, that's some vague reference I don't fully understand. Right. But here's, and I'll let you speak to that too, but uh, <laughs> here's the thought that immediately came to me. And that was this. And, and you tell me if I'm totally off here. <laughs> I might be off my rocker. But we have an eternal God, Right. And he's in the midst of eternity. And the understanding that I was given by the Holy Spirit is that all things are before his face. The past, the present, the future. There is no mm -hmm. past, present, or future for him. Only for us. We are the That's only right. ones that are trapped in time. Eternity in is time, outside yeah. of time. Okay. And so he knows all things. He knows all mm -hmm. things that have happened and everything that's going to happen. He knows all of our choices before we even make them. Okay. So uh, here's my thought. If you have an eternal God... And he preordains you even before the foundation of the earth. And it's because of your exceeding great faith that you exercised. Can it be that he foresaw yeah. from eternity that this is the, your nature, this is what you would do, this is the choices you would make. And because of that, you are... Remember, the, the Bible, doesn't it say, uh, and Paul says, talk about those who are foreknown, are predestined, 
you know, something along those those lines. He foreknew us, so he has a foreknowledge of us. What are your thoughts on this? I'll, let, I'll it, stop. It talking. says exactly what you're saying in Alma chapter thirteen, verse three in the LDS scriptures. It says, "Do you have, the, this, do you have that up? Do you have? That I got up? it right here. Can yeah. you share it? Do you have a share button? Uh, Should be at the bottom, maybe." Alma 13. All right. It worked. Okay. So I'll just read it. It says, this is, this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge, foreknowledge. of God. Oh. On account. So then he explains, what did he foreknowledge? What did he see in this foreknowledge? Mm -hmm. On account of their exceeding faith and good works. In the first place, being left to choose good or evil. Therefore, they haven't chosen good and exercising exceedingly great faith and called with the holy calling. Yea, and so he, then he repeats okay. the calling which they were called mm -hmm. in the pre-existence. And so not only is he talking about their great exceeding faith and good works uh, that he's gonna foresee, he's also mentioning the calling again. And so we can't mistake that this is some- Amen. Other mortal privations. So there it is. Yeah, not a previous life, not uh, something they did before they came here, but actually a foreknowledge of what they would do here. And that, again, goes to the nature of God. They're just a beautiful, amazing, astonishing, wonderful nature uh, of the eternal God. It just it blows me away every time. <laughs> right on. Cool. I really appreciate that. I don't know what their comment was about something about the veil. I don't know if you saw that comment or if you know what that was about. Um, no, I don't remember that one about the veil. Okay. Um, it yeah. might have been this morning. You, you, you check it out. But all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of new ones, and they're, they're very controversial post. And, and so, uh, yeah, I did get a lot of comments on that one. I, I definitely agree with you in everything that I uh, – have understood at this point is that however we see priesthood, however it is defined or in people's minds and all that, it is certainly not attached to an institution or an earthly organization. Uh, it doesn't even require that some other person lay hands on you. Now, I understand they did that in the Book of Mormon. I have no problem with that. Um, mm -hmm. I do believe, and I'll just throw this out there in case anyone has this question, and if you want to add thoughts, you can. My belief or understanding about ordination is is this. Those men, when they lay hands on them, don't really give them anything. They're not really giving them authority. And that's how we've always viewed it. Mm -hmm. My understanding of ordination has more to do with that what we are doing is how are people called? They were called by revelation, right? So the Lord reveals a calling in that person's life. And that calling is to serve a particular group of people. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've been called to serve as a teacher or an elder or whatever among a group of people, and they don't accept that calling, how much value is that to anyone? Um, and so on some level, they have to accept and receive and have a testimony of that calling. I see the ordination in part as... Um, what they've done all through the scriptures. It's a setting aside. You are blessing, you're consecrating, you're setting aside and giving a special blessing to set aside this person for that work of ministry among you. And in a, it's an acknowledgement. Lord, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, God already sees this person even before they laid hands on as to whom he called them even before the beginning the foundation of the earth, right? 
mm-hmm. we don't he didn't suddenly become anything. I can tell you from my own experience, I've had hands laid on me and I've been ordained to several offices. Never did I, when I got the hands laid on me, suddenly felt, bing, I've got the authority. And in fact, the opposite happened. What would happen is, like when the Lord called me to be a teacher and then when he called me to be an elder, um, literally he just began talking to me as if I were and just say, matter of fact, this is what you are. And then he would begin to instruct me on how to do it and how to walk in that before anyone even knew that I was called to that. And it would be after the fact that I'd have a pastor or somebody come to me and say, hey, we received this revelation, and there's been several people now have received this revelation. You're, you're called to this office. And I'm like, I know. And then they laid hands on me. It didn't add anything to that but it was a process in which everyone got to participate in saying we all agree and understand this is what you have chosen god for this person does is that am i completely in left field no i that's exactly what i was gonna uh just affirm in my understanding is that uh it's all about creating zion and you have any group of people we have the power of faith and we need to support each other sustain each other, uh, bringing, it, bringing each other up in our relationship with Christ. And so that is an opportunity for people to acknowledge this person is going to be this part of the body of Christ and we're going to love and sustain them and nourish them in that opportunity. And so that is just, uh, it's bringing the power of faith. It pleases, there's nothing, there's not much more that pleases Jesus when we're one in heart and mind right. and he can come and dwell among us. And he can lift it, and he can truly, we can be a force to call down the powers of heaven for ourselves and those around us, and, bl- and the blessings just multiply in a huge way. And one of the benefits of seeing it in this way is that we give the power and we give the glory back to God. And, we, and it, it no longer is my service to my fellow man or my service to God dependent upon an organization or an institution. In fact, nobody, when it comes down to it, nobody even has to um, agree with or believe in my calling. It doesn't invalidate the calling. So who, who among the Israelites called Moses forth and say, hey, Moses, why don't you lead us? Why don't you, we'll, we'll set you aside? No man did that. God called Moses. That's a great point, yeah. And, God uh, called uh, Abraham. I mean, name any of the patriarchs. Yeah, he, he's doing the calling just like he's calling. He called me out of an organization. He's like, you're no longer, I don't want you going there. And if you do go there, you're going to have to get thrown out. So you probably don't want to go there. <laughs> That's interesting. You know? That's interesting. So he has that called you to confront anybody, per no. se, per se. But just simply put your truth out there. Well, not just put it yeah. out there. I literally, you've emailed <laughs> people in the church are saying, "Hey, you know, but you're you're not yeah. you're doing you're not doing subterfuge here. You're not uh, you're not like trying to to send stuff to all the members at your congregation and no. tell them, but not let the <laughs> upper leadership know. I mean, you literally went to your your leadership and Just, said, "Hey, here's what I'm about right now. That's you know, right. Yeah. in y- case y- you want to come and like help a brother <laughs> out and save a soul, I'm right here. Come visit me. I don't think they're ready right. for that. I don't think they're ready for that confrontation. Well, and I sent them my video called." why I left the Mormon church 
anyone's interested. And that okay. is uh, a testimony. It's I testify of the yes. truth that Joseph Smith never practiced polygamy, and I learned that by the power of a, from a revelation from Jesus Christ, and, yeah. and that he was a true prophet of God, and that he and he's not an idol. I don't worship Joseph Smith. I know yeah. this because I worship Jesus Christ, and Amen. he's the one who let me know that truth. Amen. I watched that video. That was a good video. I recommend that. Um, I, I, I got to wonder if there isn't in internal memos being sent throughout the church at some point to leadership about certain things. This polygamy thing has exploded. I mean, and now it's got to the point where you have people like uh, Michelle Stone, 132 mm -hmm. Problems, things like Wonderful. that. Wonderful. You know, and broadcasting this stuff. She hasn't been put out of the church yet. Now, it was, and at one time, people were being put out of the church left and right for just even questioning that. Um, yeah. And I, I got to wonder if there's been an internal memo to like, okay, we've got to stop the bleed here. Like, we are bleeding out as a church. Like, uh, maybe we just sort of ignore this. Uh, I don't know what the game plan is here, but that seems like a, a good corporate response is just to sort of like, yeah. we, you know, we're not really going to acknowledge this and maybe it, it'll go away. But uh, that's the feeling I get. Well... I mean, they didn't really like me or talk to me before I left, before they knew I had these issues with the church. And so I'm not sure what it is in my neck of the woods. It's just, it could be a different story altogether because nobody, I don't see a lot of fellowship. And I was involved in the elders quorum for eight of the 11 years before I left. It was 11, somewhere in there. Anyway, yeah, and it, we did hardly have any activities. And, and when we did have activities, nobody showed up. It'd be the same four guys out of, you know, like 15, 20. And it was not not a huge ward, but, it, you know, it's just, it was always, it's always been kind of dead and depressing. And, yeah, that kind of thing. Well, they might like not like you. I like you, so. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. I like you too, buddy. I read your posts and I and I recognize that spirit and that desire and the the love of the truth and also humility. I I appreciate the videos I've seen so far that I've been watching, um, even the scary ones. <laughs> but um, you know we're coming up on uh, we're coming up an hour fifty three minutes. I know we've got some time in there. We had technical issues, um, but I I know you probably have things you have to do today. I'd like to end on you know if there is. And by the way, you you are invited back too. So if there are oh, additional things you want to talk you. on, or even if it's just sure. a a discussion we have, I I would invite you for that any any time. Um, is there something on your heart um, that you feel led to share? Uh, some some something you haven't yet that we didn't touch on, we get a chance to touch on. And and if not, also if someone is watching this video and right now they're going through the same thing you went through, they're in the wilderness. And they are the man. They're looking at all this stuff. They're not sure what to believe. You know, um, you know. What would you say to someone like that? Well, you know, and I, I prayed about it, and I have. I'll just say I have this little church thing. I have a group of two people: me and this other person in another province. And she came with me on my journey, kind of kicking and screaming, you know, a little bit. But uh, she she made it, and she's a, a just a trooper, a wonderful person, and she's. Uh, we just it's just the two of us and we have church and, and together and it's just wonderful and i'm telling you you don't need a lot of people to have an amazing experience with jesus christ but my message is that he lives 
I'm just I got the typical Mormon testimony. I always break down and cry, but you know, it's uh, I just I, I do know that He lives, and I do that He He does love us, and He wants us to come unto Him. Yeah. And He's He's not a judging God. He's He is love, and He does He just wants to celebrate our our triumphs as well as you know uh, our difficulties. He wants to help us through that stuff. Um, he has unconditional love for us, and uh, there's no limits to his love. He wants us to know. Yeah, his love has no bounds, and it is the most amazing relationship we can ever have in this life. And uh, he will let us know all truth, and he'll sort out any kind of confusion he'll lead us to the truth always we can trust in him he is the one place we can land he is our safe space 100 it's he will not let you down well if they're yeah it's just if they're if they're doctrines or a church or or a person even a prophet or and even joseph smith some people land on joseph smith as a safe place like they feel like he's good i have no problem with that um, but ultimately, there's the one place we know that if we land on that foundation, that foundation 100% will never fail us, and that is yeah. Christ, Christ Jesus, like you just said. Yeah, he, he's amazing. There's no, and we can fellowship with him every day. We can get to know him. We can worship him. We can listen to music, good good music that I've, I've finally got to, you know, I've I got a whole great playlist on my site <laughs> that's all just glorifying Jesus uh -huh. and there's no there's no end to the joy and the peace that he offers when we sacrifice our whole souls to him and just and, and let him be with us because he does he wants to be with you he wants to be with me he wants to help us he wants to show us what real love what real peace is amen uh just in case there are any others anywhere in your area who maybe are question and maybe would like to come join you in your house church is it okay if we put up uh, your email or something on the screen sure okay so i'll do that and get that on the screen uh when we air this um but i, I really do appreciate you brother i appreciate your spirit uh your appreciate gentle you nature i uh, appreciate that you are teachable that the, you let the lord teach you and correct you as you as you figure things out um so god bless you um, god bless you too hopefully we will talk again soon Absolutely. Um, all right. And so if Bob and I have not completely offended you. Hopefully point, not. Hopefully you, <laughs> you'll join us again in some future episode where we are talking. And, uh, yeah. and so for everyone out there, God bless. God bless. Take care, Doug. Thanks. Yeah. See you guys. Bye.